Don't miss out on your chance to listen to four-time Super Bowl champ Charlie Weiss on the only podcast solely devoted to everyone's favorite position in football, the quarterback. Listen for free now by subscribing wherever you get podcasts or by going to CelebrityQB.com. to another edition of the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. I am your host, Dwayne Callender. A lot of things happening in the world of sports. I know I've been down the last couple of days with the Giants and whatnot, but got to get back get my head into the game because we've got quite a bit to talk about today. So we've got Premier League action going on. We also have a lot of uh, college uh, conference championships ga- uh, championship games going on for college football. we got the NFL coming up. But first, I want to talk about this really out there rumor that's going around. But the fact that it's getting harder and harder to debunk it, I, I think you, I think I have to talk about it at this point. It, it's just such a far out there story. But you know, uh, this is this is kind of crazy. But uh, we're going to talk about Conor McGregor. Uh, Conor McGregor. Um, yeah, so basically, Conor McGregor may have instigated a uh, brawl with uh, Irish gangsters and may have a $900,000 bounty on his head. Uh, so let's uh, peel back the story on this one. So apparently, uh, the backstory on this is uh, one of McGregor's friends, who happens to be in a gang, uh, was beaten up by members of another gang that uh, with ties to the uh, Kinahane, uh crime cartel. So Connor decided to take matters into his own hands, uh, was at a bar with uh, the other crime family, and decided to beat the snot out of the guy who beat up his friend. So word got back to the Kinahanes that of what went down, and uh, lo and behold, within the next two days, because this story started emerging Wednesday, the initial reports, uh, come, uh, come Friday, Connor's not actually in the country. Uh, it looks like, uh, Con- uh Connor's abroad, but, uh, he, he, he's, uh, hiding out in, in the Canary Islands, uh, place called Lanzarote, while his father is dealing with the cartel. Now, the, the... Issue was that he apparently came back in uh, to face a speeding charge. So Connor's response wasn't to actually deny the allegation that he's got a cartel uh, uh, bounty on his head. He basically stated, come and get me to the mob. Now, again, (laughs) this, we've, we've already talked about Conor McGregor in the past, about how he made $100 million from the Mayweather fight, seems to be bored out of his mind, has a quick-trigger temper, and, yes, can talk himself in and out of any situation. The fact that you're mixed up with the mob is never a good thing. 
I mean, Dana White seems to be beside himself because he's trying to promote the UFC, but is constantly answering questions about Conor McGregor, and he has no control over him. There's no way uh, Dana White can be remotely happy with the situation. uh, WMEIMG, the new new, uh, venture capital owners of the UFC, can't be happy because not only can McGregor not fight because of the... uh, the nonsense he got involved with over at the Bellator event uh, a little over a month ago uh, with the referee Mark Goddard, you can't have your you can't have your uh, your your star sport uh, tied up with. Okay, he's not in the mix with the mob, but pissing off the mob may be even worse than getting uh, mixed up with him with any kind of uh, uh, business dealings. I mean, the fact that you're trying to pay off the mob allegedly. To avoid getting, uh, to get, uh, to avoid having uh, a hit uh, still tied to your head. I mean, I, I don't care who you are. It's, it's this is about the last thing you need uh, after you you've already made your money. So again, I had to start off with this one because this story was just so far out there that I had to bring it up. It's just, uh, <laughs> I mean, when I first heard this story, I, I thought it was the most ridiculous thing I ever heard of. Then the more you actually started uh, reading up on the details of what actually transpired, the more the more it made sense that this is exactly some nonsense Conor McGregor would get mixed up in. So we're going to move on to a couple other items. Uh, so in coaching news, uh, we have further developments in the raging dumpster fire that is the Tennessee coaching search. And this one's a doozy. So... Tennessee has not fired their AD, uh, Mr. Curry, who was hiring Shiano in the first place. I told you Curry was not long for the role, and he basically lasted less than a week after the Shiano mess occurred. And the next name to appear is, lo and behold, former Tennessee head coach Phil Fulmer. So, Phil Fulmer has been removed from uh Tennessee for nine years, and he has not forgotten that fact. In fact, most people uh, were saying that uh, Fulmer was actually uh, was actually sabotaging the head coaching search from the start because he was trying to get the AD job uh, from John Curry. So, for those of you who weren't keeping track of the Tennessee coaching search this week. They had reached out to pretty much everyone, their mother, and anyone that might still be alive uh, that could actually coach the team, all to be denied uh, pretty much every single time. So uh, they reached out to current coaches. They reached out to so Mike Gundy at Oklahoma State, even though he's had a great job. They were reaching out to Jimbo Fisher. They uh, were reaching out to even crappy coaches like uh, Dave Dorn at uh, North Carolina State. They all were passing. So in terms of everything that was going on, part of the reason why uh, this process was dragging out, so guys like Kevin Sumlin and Mike uh, Mike Leach, who's still over at Washington State, they were still available for even an interview, but part of it was that these guys weren't even being contacted because the infighting at Tennessee was going on. Now, the issue it goes back to the fact that Phil uh, Fulmer was given a job as special assistant to the AD, John Curry. Curry 
back nine years ago when Fulmer was the head coach of the team, uh, was an assistant uh, athletic director under the former athletic director, uh, Mike Hamilton, who fired Fulmer. So, again, you named a guy a special assistant to the current guy in charge who is part of the staff that fired your special assistant. Of course this was never going to go well. I mean, Tennessee acts like a dog that eats its own excrement and then smiles at you thinking that you're you're going to accept kisses from it. It's like, no one wants to be anywhere near Tennessee right now. And I can't blame them, but in terms of the fan base, they're frustrated because they're looking at this and saying, hey, it can't be any worse at this point going with Fulmer because Fulmer's old school. He may just circle the wagons and just try to bring in anyone who is uh, tied to him and his program back uh, in the uh, early 90s to lead him back out of it. I mean, the one name that I say might just might be able to get the job because Leach is definitely not going there uh, now with Fulmer in charge. I- I'd be shocked. Any uh, well-tenured coach is not going to have Phil Fulmer there to undermine him because, I mean, honestly, Phil has his ways, and a lot of the game has changed since uh, Fulmer was in charge uh, running uh, the offense that Peyton Manning made famous. Now, uh, you got a chance to see uh, potentially T. Martin, who's an offensive coordinator over at UFC, uh, make the transition over to become a head coach. He's gotten high marks, but that's literally the only name possible at this point that could even salvage what has to go down as the most dysfunctional coaching hiring process in NCAA history. I, I mean, the, the amount of infighting and just sheer lack of focus uh, amongst Tennessee and this is just not even amongst the fan base. This is amongst the boosters. The boosters can't even get on the same page with each other. So you have the Haslam family meddling. You've got all these uh, senior boosters mad at the Haslams, and nothing's getting done here. So at this point, Tennessee has to circle the wagons, and even if you don't agree with the fact that uh, uh, Fulmer knows uh, what he's doing and what's best for the program, you have to at least let him run with it because at the end of the day, you don't have a you don't have a choice. It's like it, it could be it could be a sinking ship, but at least the ship has to go in a direction. Right now, Tennessee's just like circling a drain and it's going nowhere. So uh, that's the state of Tennessee right now. It could be going to a lousy destination where you're gonna get shipwrecked on an island, but at least it's a direction. Uh, because right now Tennessee, uh, again, is uh, cratering to the bottom of the ocean, and they can't afford to do that when they're in the SEC. The SEC won't tolerate it, and they can't get kicked out of the SEC. So uh, they got to figure out something, and you know what? They they have to be all hands on deck with Fulmer now. He got his job, so uh, anyone who's against Fulmer, they better suck it up and like it because, like I said, any further infighting is basically going to tank any shot of of a turnaround in this program in the next five years. So uh, that's uh, basically where Tennessee is at the moment. Now, moving on to the actual teams that matter today, uh, we uh, we got a couple of games on hand here. Last night we had 
USC uh, winning the Pac-12 uh, championship game over Stanford. Uh, good game there. You had Sam Darno making some throws. I'm sure uh, the Giants organization was happy with what they saw, considering that they're literally trying to do everything possible at this point to tank the re- remaining games to get a look at a, a guy like Darno because uh, at this point everyone knows the Giants are taking a, a top pick uh, uh, for the first round. So uh, at the end of the day, uh, you know, you're, you're looking at every one of these QBs as a potential target for the Giants. Now, a uh, couple other games that are on tap here. Uh, you've got the uh, American Athletic uh, Conference Championship game between undefeated U- uh, UCF uh, versus uh, Memphis. Uh, UCF's looking to become 12-0. Uh, they're ranked number 12 in the country. They don't have a shot at the playoff. They're going to complain about the fact that how unfair this process is. The only thing UCF can do to at least make their case that much uh, more sustainable, even though they have no shot at making the playoff, is to absolutely blow the doors off of Memphis. Memphis is a solid team. Uh, They got a really good squad. Uh, UCF's favored by 7.5. The only reason why I'd be picking UCF to cover that is the fact that they need to win with style points. They can't have a tight game. They can't have this game be back and forth. Even though it would be entertaining, it would just kind of solidify the point that UCF's just on another tier below the major Power 5 conferences. Even though the the, uh, the American is technically a Power 5 conference, it is not viewed as such. So, uh, UCF needs to win big. Meanwhile, you've got Florida State in what was supposed to be a tune-up game against Louisiana Monroe, which has now become a, a maudlin affair as Jimbo Fisher bolted out of town faster than you could say dodge. And, I mean, this was on the wall for a solid month that uh, Jimbo was looking and angling for a big money deal to get out of uh, Florida State. And that if he, if you could meet his price... He would gladly bolt to your program. Now, he was being questioned by this for months uh, uh, leading up to it, but the last month made it pretty clear that Florida State knew that they were probably going to lose him. I mean, even the day before the announcement came on Friday that they wanted him to make a decision as soon as possible because the recruits were starting to decommit from the program. So, and. <laughs> What can only be described as like one of those callous ways of leaving town, Jimbo leaves town and has the Christmas tree tossed out on the lawn to be picked up like the gar like common garbage. I mean, he he uh, they packed up their stuff and got out of there. I mean, but he leaves Florida State for the Texas A and M job, and this is just. A mammoth deal. Not because it's Texas A&M, but the fact that Jimbo Fisher is going to be the highest paid coach in college sports with a 10-year, $75 million deal. $75 million. You know what? I can't blame Jimbo. If you're getting paid that much money, yeah, you got to bolt down. Because it's one thing where... You're saying, I want job security for the rest of my life. It's the other thing when you're getting $75 million, that's go away and I'm good I'm good selling out. Because you can never make the speech to a 
student ever again, if you're in the in his house with his parents, that it's about honor and commitment. When you just sold out for $75 million. hey, you, you sold out your credibility, but you made $75 million. I don't want to hear the talk about him talking about student-athletes because Jimbo took the money. I don't blame him for taking the money, but I don't want him lecturing uh, uh, teenagers about the, how they shouldn't look to take the money from the pros. Uh, I mean, with... Uh, <laughs> With deals like that, it just goes to show the hypocrisy in college sports at this point. Because everyone keeps saying that, oh, the players, uh, we can't figure out a way of getting the players paid and uh, uh, because uh, it, it would just screw up all the athletics. You got coaches making five mil a year easy now. Jimbo's making seven and a half million and is going to be making uh, uh, over the course of that tenure, unless, of course, he hops off to a bigger job with an even bigger paycheck. He's pocketing $75 million cash. I mean, I honestly, there's no way to go around it. And again, Texas, you're not getting nearly this. I mean, even though Florida has the same protocols, you're not getting the taxes that you would in other states. So, I mean, the just the sheer amount of cash involved for uh, just college athletics. It's just, it's preposterous. But I mean, again, I don't blame Jimbo for taking the money, but the lecturing of student athletes and the importance of college and, uh, just how much you need to be committed to the team versus preparing for the pros. I mean, I, I don't want to hear that argument anymore. It, I mean, it, it, we've so far passed the tipping point of whether this is, uh, just, uh, uh actual sports versus professional sports. There's no difference between college and the pros. The only the only difference is the fact that college still puts up the pretense that th these are student athletes. They are unpaid professionals, coached by guys making just as much, if not more, money than professional coaches do. Th that's that's it at the end of the day. So uh, that's the way I'm I'm looking at it. But uh, getting getting into uh, the division that Jimbo's heading to, the SEC. We got the SEC title game between Georgia and Auburn. Now, two weeks ago, Auburn beat the ever-loving snot out of Georgia. I mean, Georgia was undefeated. Auburn came in, smacked them around, and it was not close. Auburn then went on to beat uh, Alabama to make it to the title game. Georgia has a chance to punch its ticket to uh, the college football playoff by winning the SEC title game. Auburn can also punch its way into uh, uh, the college football playoff with a win. Somebody's getting in. Now, the doomsday scenario that people are arguing that could happen is if Georgia wins convincingly and Auburn drops out of it completely with uh, three losses, does Alabama somehow sneak back into this picture? I, you know, to me, yes, Alabama lost the game. But at, at a certain point, you know, you got to win your games. And if you weren't in the championship game, that makes a big difference. Auburn beat you up. If Georgia comes back and uh, puts, uh, puts a win on Auburn, I, I think Auburn wins this game outright. But if Georgia somehow wins, what are you going to do? Are you going to say that, oh, we're, 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 we're going to leave out the Big Ten winner? Because we got to figure out a way of keeping Alabama in. I mean, right now, 
we're looking at a, a scenario of uh, if Georgia uh, if Georgia wins uh, this game tonight, uh, Georgia gets in, but uh, people are going to try to argue that Alabama should be in as well. I mean, because right now the way it's currently set up, you got Clemson at number one, Auburn's two, Oklahoma's three, Wisconsin's four. Oklahoma's playing TCU today. I expect them to roll over TCU. I, I just don't think TCU's that good. So oh, I'm going to pencil Oklahoma in. Clemson has a matchup against Miami. And I love Miami just because it's always fun talking about the U. But Clemson's a much better team. Clemson should roll. So that's two spots down. Number uh, uh, th- uh, The third spot would be the SEC title game winner between Auburn and Georgia. Who, whoever gets in there, that would be three. Number four is Wisconsin. Wisconsin's playing Ohio State tonight. Wisconsin's undefeated. I can't see Ohio State beating Wisconsin. I've, I've seen this story too many times with Ohio State. I don't think Ohio State's a contender. I think they're a pretender. I, I just don't see it in them. Now, Wisconsin's strength of schedule has been abysmal. But, again... I'm not going to penalize Wisconsin for having a terrible schedule when no one else in the Big Ten has been able to beat them. Now, if they come out and lay an egg against Ohio State, okay, fine. You can make a case for Alabama. But don't tell me that if Wisconsin wins out, you're going to try to sneak in Alabama somehow into this title game when they didn't win anything. And they they got beat by a team that Georgia beat to avenge their loss. So Georgia would be in there. And Wisconsin would be in with a win over Ohio State, and that's the end of the argument. Alabama's out. I don't want to hear this argument about, oh, it's unfair for Alabama to be left out when they only lost one game. Guess what? They lost at the worst time of the year, so they're out. I mean, there's only so many teams that can fit into the playoff. Now, if anybody, if, if anyone loses today, whether it's Oklahoma or Clemson, fine. You can make a case. Wisconsin loses. Yeah, you can make a case. Alabama gets in there. No, no problem. But if, if everyone wins out, the winner between Auburn and Georgia gets in. There, there is no further discussion about this matter. It, 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 the case is done. So Nick Saban can complain all he wants about how unfair the process is. But, I mean, that's it is what it is. It's You lost it. You lost a chance to control your own destiny. And now you got to live with the consequences. So uh, that's uh, the college football uh, mix uh, in a nutshell today. Uh, so Wisconsin is actually the underdog to Ohio State, which, again, I, I, I just don't get. I really don't get it. I mean, people are so hung up on Ohio State this year, and I just don't see the appeal. I, re- I really don't. And, I mean, uh, they, uh, Urban Meyer's been trying to downplay this because uh, – uh, saying how JT Barrett had to get uh, arthroscopic knee surgery to clean up the damage caused by what he thought was a cameraman somehow assigned by Michigan. Uh, he didn't say it outright, but he was implying it that Michigan somehow was involved in JT Barrett getting injured in the game last week uh, against Michigan. But again, I, I think Wisconsin beats Ohio State, and I think uh, Oklahoma's going to roll, and I think. Uh, you know, even though I, I, I look I look at uh, 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 Clemson and I think there's always a chance that you could lose, I think they smoke Miami. I really do. So 
that just leads to winning the SEC title game, and that's it. That's your four. And the you know between the two teams, I you know Auburn absolutely dominated Georgia, and I think Carryon Johnson's the most talented player in this game. But you know it's one of those situations where sometimes when you thoroughly dominate a team and then you have to play them right back again, you have that little bit of letdown give, and I think that what is what's going to keep Georgia in this game. I think Auburn wins anyway, but I think it's a much closer game than. Uh, what people realize, and I, you know, I know Karen Johnson got injured uh, last week against Alabama, so we'll see uh, how he looks today. But I, I still like Auburn to win this game, but I think it's a lot closer than it was uh, two weeks ago. Uh, I, so I, I think it should be a good uh, SEC title game and it should keep things interesting. But I mean, the way I'm looking at it, uh, from Everything the way that, uh, this college football season is shaping up to be, I think Alabama get, gets left out of the playoff. I, I don't see I don't see an avenue for uh, Alabama to get back into the playoff unless someone loses, and I don't and I don't see a, a loss uh, between uh, Clemson, Oklahoma, or Wisconsin. I, I really don't. So uh, Nick Saban can uh, can complain to whoever he wants with the playoff. It, it's just. Uh, it's just the way I look at it. Uh, the only other news story uh, today, though, uh, I wanted to touch on was the fact that Aaron Boone has been named the new manager of the New York Yankees. Now, everyone in the media is eating this up because they're telling the story of how Aaron Boone, uh, son of Bob Boone, uh, lived in the clubhouse, played uh, played baseball for years. Uh, I mean, obviously with his brother, uh, Brett Boone, I mean, all well and good. Aaron Boone has absolutely no managerial experience whatsoever. With a team that we just fired Joe Girardi over for not being able to communicate, and we just hired someone with no managerial experience. I I don't care how nice of a guy Aaron Boone is off the field. You're trying to tell me that all of a sudden... As a rookie manager, when he has to tell a guy that he's got to sit him down in the lineup, that that communi- uh, that you know for sure that that uh, that's going to be communicated well. I, I just I just don't understand these teams. We just saw this nonsense with the New York Giants play out, where you promote a guy that you really weren't sure was uh, head coaching material, and how quickly it imploded with Ben McAdoo once things started going sideways how quickly his character folded and how quickly a team could turn on him. You know, I'm not saying that's going to happen with the Yankees, but it's a really young team. And the one thing I'm worried about with the Yankees is you start reading your own press clippings and you're young, you start actually thinking you're you're hot, you know what, and things can go sideways real fast once things don't start uh, going your way and you want to have a steadier hand to at least keep guys honest. And so... What I, I kind of look at it and say that, uh, you know, you have a potential for the Yankees to be one of the bigger disappointments in baseball next year. And I can strictly attribute it to the fact that you've got a rookie manager trying to learn the ropes on the fly, trying to be everyone's best friend. Yeah, he may listen to the analytics because guess what? Uh, he doesn't have any cachet. Uh, uh, Brian Cashman and the rest of the Yankees front office can tell him what to do, and he's got to execute it because that's the game plan he's sticking by. 
It didn't work out so great for Dodgers. It worked out all right for the Astros. Yeah, you can let the analytics run your entire team, but we saw it countless times in this World Series where judgment calls should be made and we let analytics kind of dictate how it was going to go. Yeah, uh, do I get understand, uh, understand why certain decisions were made? Yeah, but there were some th- decisions that should have been made by the Dodgers just by field division alone. Why weren't they made? Is it because you strictly adhere to the data analytics? I really would like the Dodgers to answer that question, but they won't. So I'm curious to see how the Yankees are going to proceed. If they're, if they're going to strictly follow the uh, the line of uh, line of thinking that the Dodgers and Astros employed, that we're going to go by the numbers and the numbers are going to dictate how we operate as a team and we're not going to use what we see on the field as a barometer of how things should be applied, you know, Good luck to them. I I just, I got to shake my head at times because the amount of things that can go wrong in a season, I see where some of the old school uh, players are just shaking their heads. Now, I don't necessarily agree with them that the uh, analytics and stuff is nonsense. I just think it's a tool that should be used. I just don't think it should be your end-all, be-all reference to how you should run a team. So that's the way I'm kind of looking at it. Uh, we'll, uh, I'm going to get into the NFL a little bit uh, later uh, today to, slash tonight because uh, we got uh, a, another championship game. Uh, uh, so the basically the schedule, the way the schedule's laid out is uh, the Big Twelve uh, title game uh, along with the American is uh, this early afternoon at noon. Then you got the SEC title game at uh, four o'clock with uh, Auburn and Georgia. And then the, the night uh, cap is going to be Clemson, uh, Miami. So you're get, you're going to see some action, and you're gonna you may see some movement uh, with uh, the actual uh, playoff looks. But I just don't see it happening. I I, I just think uh, Texas is going to roll. You're gonna you're gonna get uh, you know uh, you you're gonna see the SEC uh, SEC title winner. And then Wisconsin is on the deck with Clemson and Miami. So uh, I, I think with both of those games going on, my uh, well, Alabama's going to be on there uh, watching those games with pins and needles. But at the end of the day, I, I just don't see an avenue for Alabama to get in there. I don't see those teams losing. So it uh, should be interesting tonight with the games. Uh, we got UFC on deck uh, tonight as well with uh, – uh, uh, the featherweight uh, strap on uh, on the line uh, with uh, Max uh, uh, Max Holloway and Jose Aldo. So I'll get into that uh, a bit as well later tonight, and I'll uh, recap uh, some of the earlier matchups for uh, college football. So uh, that's all for now. Uh, take it easy, everyone, and uh, have a good day. talked about position in all of sports the quarterback and now there's a show solely dedicated to the most sought after role on the field celebrity qb featuring four-time super bowl champion coach charlie weiss unlike other football shows you'll get the inside scoop on all things quarterbacks 
Like, is this the year Tom Brady finally looks his age? Will dating Danica Patrick distract Aaron Rodgers? I mean, he's dating Danica Patrick, Charlie. We're interested in that, you know? Well, I mean, Tommy's got Giselle. I'll I'll take Giselle, okay? (laughs) Is Dak Prescott good enough to win a Super Bowl for the Cowboys? Which rookie quarterback has the best shot of making a positive impact in 2018? How about intellectually, Charlie, as far as what they ask the quarterbacks to do now? The game has changed, but the pressure that's put on quarterbacks and it always been put on quarterbacks is tremendous. Join Charlie Weiss and co-host Steve Strout on an all-new podcast from Lasting Media, exclusively about quarterbacks. Subscribe now at Apple iTunes or wherever you listen to great podcasts. Celebrity QB, everyone's favorite position. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working... The HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.